Welcome to Above the Garage. Hi, friends. Welcome to our discussion of episode five of A Murder at the End of the World. Let's do our round of introductions and dive in. Hi, I'm Helen. Hi, I'm Raquel. Hi, I'm Violet. Hi, I'm Kimberly. And I'm Kate. Episode five is entitled Crypt, which is foreboding. It opens up where episode four ended with the sneeze that blew Darby's world apart, and she proceeds to get a little creepy for poor Zoomer, smelling him dramatically to see if he smells like Bill, which throws her back into a memory of their road trip. Darby smelling Bill to commit him to memory. She starts listing his smells, pine and gasoline, hotel soap, and then she adds smoke to the list, and after a beat, looks up alarmed, and there's a huge wildfire. Bill, ever the lighthearted hang, prophetically notes that one day there won't be anywhere left to go as the world burns in front of them. He's kind of a depressing fellow, but I like him. I laughed when Zoomer breaks up the smell sesh with a, why are you being weird? Because I was thinking in the beginning how freaking weird that must be for him. <laughs> Total stranger, like, attacking you and smelling you. It's just such a weird thing as well. Like, you're clearly not going to smell it. Like, I wouldn't smell like my parents. Right, yeah. Just because you're related, you don't smell like that person. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we need to ask June, because June does that a lot in Handmaid's Tale, too. And I'm like, uh... I don't have the ability, like, my smelling is not that great anyway, but I can't imagine being able to smell someone's son. <laughs> Sniff it out, <laughs> like a dog. Yeah, especially because, like, the smells that she listed on him, like pine, gasoline, hotel soap. I don't know what she's looking for on Zoomer. Um, Eva comes into the room then unannounced, opens the blinds and instructs Darby to lay down as she's got a serious concussion. But Darby wants answers first and she wants to see Sean. Unsurprisingly, Sean is unavailable to Darby and apparently battling an infection from her on the spot tracheotomy by Andy. Darby asks Eva a fun question. If she's a doctor, then why is she running around after a five-year-old? I would like to add that she doesn't seem particularly kid-friendly either. So I think it's a, a valid question. Darby even goes so far as to question if there's something wrong with Zoomer, is that why there's so much medical equipment around? Eva assures her there's nothing wrong with Zoomer while Darby is putting together that the morphine that killed Bill must have come from the fridge that Eva has a code for. She tries to get Eva into talking, which works more than I'd have expected. Eva surprisingly admits that the morphine was taken from this safe and the pacemaker receiver was in here too, so whoever's responsible for all the killing has definitely spent some useful time in this very room. Eva's either not got the answers or she's not giving them to Darby, so Darby takes off to the elevator confidently and Andy are somewhere on the other side of it. Her ploy works, Eva joins in, and Darby was right. Floor negative 10 is their underground lair, as it turns out. Why did they show us Darby dropping her shoes and putting them on? Did you guys notice that? Yeah, because it bothered me that, like, if I just stuff my feet into a pair of sneakers, it would be a mess. <laughs> like, I can't put sneakers on that way, so yeah. I was like, that's not gonna work. But yeah, that was a, a weirdly specific shot. I'm not sure why. Yeah. I was going to say about the trainers, if it was like maybe Bill's trainers. Because yeah, I thought it was a bit weird as well that they show that shot. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. You know what's weird? Where I come from, we call all sneakers or trainers, as you just said, Raquel, tennis shoes. And it drives Dave crazy. Tennis shoes? Oh, boy. Yeah. That's not a tennis shoe. Well, right. And so then we went to like the Dicks in my hometown and Dave was specifically looking for a tennis shoe. Like not even to be funny. He just needed tennis shoes for like his next trip. <laughs> and they didn't carry any actual tennis shoes. <laughs> like, Where do you get off calling them tennis shoes? You don't even have a tennis shoe in this whole land. You know what annoys me as well? Why do they call it a tennis bracelet? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. How annoying would it be to wear that bracelet whilst playing tennis? I don't know. I don't get it. Huh, good question. I was in the tennis shoes region camp for a long time. Yeah. I had to kind of like force sneakers because I was like, yeah. this makes no sense. I'm like stubbornly doing the opposite and trying to get my kids to say tennis shoes. It's been <laughs> piss off Dave. 
Just to annoy my husband. <laughs> I support that decision, Kate. Thank you. That sounds fun <laughs> to, you know, annoy other people with this specific little thing. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's no harm done, but fun. <laughs> I think we might be using tennis in Spanish as well to refer to sneakers. Sorry. Oh, really? Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah, tennis. That's really weird. I don't know. I've never used it, but I do feel like people do. Ah, exciting. We got Spain too. I thought it was just Virginia. <laughs> I just want to note the shot at the very beginning of the episode. It was like, it was amazing. They love outside window shots in the show, but this one mm. probably my favourite, like the snow and like yeah. even the the white on her shirt as well and just her yeah. hair as well. Like it looked so good. I just love the cinematography and like lighting and colouring and everything. Show. Yeah, this episode specifically was really good. I really like the contrast between like the snowy, foggy yeah. landscape, and then you got into the fires, and again you get the smoke from that. Like I thought it was really yeah. like, beautifully done. Mm. Um, when Zoomer pulls away from the hug and he's leaving the room, he looks down at his watch and he's like, "I gotta go." And it was just very like a businessman or something, like the way that he was so keyed into the time and like yeah. knowing that he needed to leave then. It just felt very, I mean, he's done a lot of things like that that felt very not kid-like or uh-huh. almost like he has some kind of, it didn't seem stressed, but almost like he has some kind of like, like he's been told very specifically to business to tend to. Yeah. yeah, like you need to pay attention to the time and make sure you're here at this time. And mm-hmm. I thought he got some kind of uh, notification on his watch. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Like when he lights up, the watch lights up. Oh, that could, yeah, that could be, yeah. Like time for lunch or something. <laughs> I've been like, really like conscious of all of the devices and everything because everything's been cucked. Yeah. And everybody's like using all this technology and you're like, oh, every time something lights up, I'm like, oh, yeah. Is that normal? Somebody trying to like get them killed? Yeah, well, I mean, you have a healthier reaction than Darby at the end of the show when she's, <laughs> I know. all right, I've been called to the pool, I should go for a swim. <laughs> yep, that's the only way of getting warm. All right, whatever, we'll get there. Um, but I also, like, Zoomer's just a weird kid. I also feel that. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one thing, maybe I wanted to say a theory about Zoomer and Bill and Lee. Mm-hmm. I did some math, and the math is not mathing. <laughs> Because uh, Zoomer was born in April 2017. Mm-hmm. But the one album Bill and um, Darby were listening to in episode two, I think, or episode three, it was the uh, War Pain album that came out on September 23rd, 2016. Oh, War Pain for the when? Uh, which would leave eight months, which is theoretically, you you know, you can do it, but he was, like, Bill was with Darby at that time. So my theory is that Bill knew Lee or knows Lee from before. Mm. Oh, mm. that's really interesting. Or it's just uh, like a... Continuation error. Yeah, continuity error. <laughs> Something definitely very fishy about yeah. Lee and Bill's relationship, especially this episode. I'm kind of feeling very strange about Bill. I'll talk about that later, but... Yeah, I don't know. It's creeping me out. I agree. <laughs> Speaking of the, the war paint album, though, like, and the continuity thing, there I just went to see Saltburn, the movie, and mm-hmm. they're watching Superbad in that movie, and the movie is set 
a year before Superbad came out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whoops. Details. <laughs> How do you miss that? How do you miss that big, like, I know. Yeah. But I remember that we uh, discovered or uncovered a continuity error on Shining Girls. Kate, remember with the watch and the date? Yeah. Yeah. I love also, though, that Silka was like laughing about it and appreciated it and not like, you know, upset, like, yeah. defending it. It's funny. Yeah. I mean, they happen for sure. And we've seen much yeah. more egregious uh, continuity errors on a certain other show that we podcast. So I could forgive if they make this mistake. Yeah. But, you know, I I made a note of that. I don't know if it's going to be important later on. Yeah, that's a good thought. Oh, no, it's really interesting. I'm glad that your war paint love has paid off. <laughs> uh, okay. So they are taking the elevator down to negative 10. I told you guys they weren't going to live up in a hotel room with the peasants. Yeah. <laughs> this apartment delivers, like, I really like the set. You know, it feels so different from the rest of the hotel. Set design in the show as well is just, like, impeccable. I know. And when we get to um, Zoomer's room later, I don't even think I wrote this down, but I really, like, I don't even know what that thing is that's rotating and giving light. It's really cool, though. So amazing. Um, but, yeah, the scene Darby crashes is a nice little family dinner, wrought with tension, but it's beautiful. Tomas is serving them their dinner, and Andy is hand-feeding Zoomer with chopsticks, which is odd for a five-year-old in my experience, but... The camera conveniently pans away during the actual food going in the mouth shots. I don't know why I'm obsessed with Zoomer not eating that bread from episode one, but it seems like he's eating here, but we don't actually see it. When the elevator doors uh, open up, the whole scene, the framing of it and the lighting of it, and it reminded me immediately of some kind of biblical painting. Yeah. Some kind yeah, of good Last Supper, mm-hmm. but just the right. Holy Family and uh, the server. Right. Yeah. And it's on this little elevated like platform sort of. I, I agree yeah. that's good point it felt very like active mm-hmm. they were almost like posing for like a painting or, yeah like, yeah for somebody to like find in there yes it was kind of creepy seeming to me yeah that that as well with the music like culty creepy i don't know <laughs> yeah the classical music playing beautiful space though like i love to have a house like that yeah it's gorgeous and it's also warm but but on the ground maybe yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that creeped me up as well like how deep does that go? Like, goes. Where are they? Yeah, like yeah. I don't think we know what the bottom floor is. What's underneath? Yeah, yeah. It's also we learn later that the rest of the hotels had the like heat turned off, but they've got the fire like flaring. You know, mm-hmm. not shockingly, they have the fire going, and it's nice and warm and cozy. Lee volunteers to take Zoomer so Darby and Andy can talk, and Andy talks a lot of shit within hearing of Zoomer. I still have yet to see this family man thing that uh, Andy is supposed to be, but he loudly complains that parents are just the entertainment directors on their children's private cruise ship, only producing a generation of fat, lazy... What did he say? What was the last word? Tourists? I wrote down tourists, question mark, as well. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he's just, like, muttering incomprehensively at this point. Like, it was was such a weird, like, the way that he was just sitting there, like, muttering to himself. Very strange behavior. Right. And he's just got this general aura of displeasure with the peasants around him his wife included the cruise director thing does feel true for the record as a parent myself but it's the gig we signed up for so i don't know what he was expecting anyway they've apparently been having a parental argument about whether zoomer should be read to about king arthur or whether he should wear his vr helmet and be king arthur tech versus non-tech continues to frame everything in this story and it's of course highly relevant but to be actually against a mom reading to her son seems quite extreme i would say obviously i'm on lee's side here 
Darby dives right in, though, as she's wont to do, announcing her shocking discovery that Bill is Zoomer's dad. Andy looks appropriately shocked, and Darby goes on that Bill was going to claim paternity, so Andy killed him. I wanted to interject speculation, but nobody did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because like, she starts out with facts, and then she carries on. It's funny. There's no evidence for that either. Right. Yeah. I mean, she states it like she's sure of it. It's like... Yeah. It really bugs me. Yeah. Because she's got all of this experience and, like detective and like the dad would like obviously a coroner investigator and like yeah she's not trying to like hide anything she just comes in about just it with like all the information oh man that drives me crazy <laughs> and everything she has everything <laughs> she knows but this guy that like, clearly she thinks is a murderer locks herself in the room with him uh-huh i mean maybe she's just trying to get his reaction and see if, if it mm. shocks him sure yeah if but- he's the murderer then that you're just literally giving everything up, like for him to like kill you now. <laughs> right. Yeah, definitely. And she does it to everyone. Every mm-hmm. single person she tells everything to. And I've never yeah. seen yeah. that strategy before, but mm. we'll see if it works out. It does get them to talk to her, to be fair. Yeah, it does. And she gets to see like the cool camera, as I note. She continues that even if he didn't do it by his own hand, which I agree doesn't sound much like an Andy move, he probably had his minion Todd do it. And Rohan was just a witness, so he got removed from the story next. Andy invites her to sit down to discuss her accusations. Darby turns down that offer, but then he orders her to if she wants answers. He then admits he's sterile. He's known since he was 19 and broke, and he went to try to solve his financial problems by selling his sperm. But the sperm bank turned him away since his swimmers wouldn't be successful in that endeavor. And to this day, he's never told anyone but Darby, not even the mother of his supposed child, Lee. He doesn't justify it, so that's messed up, but he does own it. But he's always known Zoomer wasn't his. Darby doesn't seem to believe him, but carries on to the more salient points. She posits that he's sick, getting better maybe, but all this medical equipment and morphine is for him, and he doesn't deny it, just tells her that hypothetically, if that were true, the economy would crash when they found out Andy Ronson was sick. I'm not sure he's quite that powerful, but he certainly is cocky. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it might it would have an effect on the markets, but not a permanent world-ending effect. It reminded me of the whole um, Steve Jobs situation yeah. years mm-hmm. back. Exactly. Yeah. He admits the morphine was stolen, but only Bill and David were in that room, and Todd and Eva. He agrees it was likely someone close to him that killed Bill, but it wasn't him. Uh, Darby asks for his alibi, and he picks up his phone, shows her the cameras outside the medical bay where Marius came to get him as proof he was receiving his treatment in the medical bay at that time. At this point, it's even more insane he doesn't have a team of real doctors on hand, and he just has Eva, the, the questionable doctor, but... And then he goes on about how Zoomer is his son. Biological fatherhood is not relevant. Andy is Zoomer's father. And in typical Andy fashion, he explains it with a technological analogy. Bill provided the hardware and Andy provided the software. It's the software that matters. I like that line. It's a good one. Yeah. I do wonder if the hardware is some somehow specific or special anyways for the software to work. I don't know. Bill is very mysterious. Yes, Bill is very mysterious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I don't know. Because this Andy, though, it almost felt like they created this robot or something, the way he said it. Yeah, it feels like it's some kind of creation mm-hmm. that Zoomer is... That's how I feel, too. Of experiment, yeah. Some kind of, yeah. Experiment, yeah. Or a- at least he's seen as one, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's all very, very weird and sus. <laughs> um. Did Andy say that also family member had access to the medical bay? Mm-hmm. I think so. Yeah, so, so that would include Lee. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, because she's on my suspect list, definitely. So. Yeah. yeah, and she said she went through there later too. Yeah. When Eva first comes into the room and she's like, I'm sorry, Andy, like apologizing for Darby coming down there. She seemed like 
afraid of him a little bit yeah yeah, yeah she did. and i feel like i mean later when he shouts and stuff you kind of see that he's got this kind of like Volatile. Explosive. Scary side to his personality. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, know he reminded me, the whole vibe in that episode reminded me of his, uh, of Clive Owen's other character that he played on the Nick, uh, John Thacker. A kind of explosive, very, mm. like a brilliant man, but with, with short temper. So he reminded the whole, the whole episode had this um, John Thacker vibe. Yeah. And he points out to uh, Darby that, I, I mean... He's trying to point out to Darby that her perspective is skewed because she loved Bill, so she thinks this whole thing revolves yeah. around him. Yeah. But really, it revolves around me. And it's just so funny because <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. he uses his own blind spot and can't see it. Do you believe that it is about him? Do we think that's who the murderer is after? I still feel like it's like a test of some sort, but then the fact that... Well, no, that could have been a lie that it leaked to the outside world. I still mm-hmm. feel like it's a test that he's putting on because there's too many things that are kind of handed to them or handed to her in a weird fashion, you know? We said mm-hmm. that last time as well, yeah. It doesn't feel organic, I guess. It's interesting because this episode made me think that it definitely wasn't him, but then I was thinking, are they just trying to make me think it's actually not him? And <laughs> then... <laughs> It'd be too obvious if it was. Yeah. Although, on the other hand, I don't know. The poster is just Darby and Andy, so Andy has to have has to mean more later on than up until now. I feel because he's been kind of like in the background a lot of times. Yeah, yeah. He he's been like appearing in the action and taking control a lot, but yeah. he's hasn't hasn't been seen a lot. Like as one character, we never see him alone doing anything on his own. Yeah, we are never just with him. Couldn't that just be because Clive Owen is the biggest actor? Yeah, yeah, definitely. This is, this is definitely a very possible explanation to this situation. Definitely. I mean, I think you're probably right. I think it's more story driven, but possible. Do we know why she's there? Why she was invited? We still don't, right? They haven't Not. really explained that. Mm-mm. The only thing we know is Sean told her that uh, Andy invited her, but we don't really even know if that's true. So Yeah, and she's not really asked that question either, which I feel is a bit weird. That's true. And she has nothing in common with everybody else. Right. Like, she really has nothing in common with everybody else. And she knows that everybody is there for a reason. She's, she's been told that by everybody else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is either his competitor or against him, against technology. Yeah. She's not. If that were me and people were starting to die around me, I'd be like, what was I invited to these things? Yeah, definitely. That's why I feel like it's a test. Mm-hmm. And also Martin said that, I think, in the first episode. He said, you know, kind of feels like an audition or something. Oh, yeah. The only connection that Darby has is Bill. So it's making me question things a lot. She's also a hacker, so that may be one of the reasons, but not an obvious reason to me, at least. Far more to me the reason was her book and her investigation with Bill. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. She doesn't seem accomplished enough in the hacking world to be there for that. Yeah. Because it's almost like she's there to like solve the murder mystery. Right. Yeah, exactly. But we didn't know there was going to be one until she got there. Right. Which again sounds really dodgy to me. And we know obviously that the reason why she went there is Lee, because she said that herself. Right. That was her draw. Yeah. But we don't know why anybody else wanted her there. And she didn't even know um Bill was going to be there. Yeah, she was quite shocked by that. But... The hacking also doesn't seem like it would be the reason because they are careful to kind of show you that she has to 
use Lee's hacking. Like she's yes. looking up Lee's explanations for how to hack things. Uh-huh. So she doesn't, she's not inherently like coming up with these on her own. Yeah. Or like amazing at it. Naturally talented in that way. Yeah. Good point. They do make a point of that every time. It's all a setup. It is. That's what I think. Seems that way. <laughs> but she doesn't seem to have got to that conclusion herself after everything, which is mind blowing. Yeah. Andy even straight up says he views himself as a king and this is his kingdom. Mm-hmm. He can't trust anyone except Darby. He likes her. She's smart. He can use her and she can use him. He can get people to answer her questions. They won't just answer for Darby. And just like that, it seems like Darby trusts Andy again. She's either very easily persuaded and fooled by people or a good actress in making it seem as if she trusts people. Yeah. Yeah. Because right now she seems to fully trust Lee, Rohan, Sean, and now Andy, right? I mean, Lee is obviously about to change, but... For now. I think this episode, though, is also careful to show that Darby is kind of like coming unraveled. Oh, yeah. She's just spiraling a lot. So I'm not sure that she's making good decisions. I mean, first of all, you you see it in the flashbacks, too. So you kind of see that she was like that before. Right. That she gets so obsessive and caught up in something that she's not being logical or, or smart about it anymore. Yeah. Right. So I feel like she's kind of reaching that point here, too, where it's just getting... She's so caught up in it. Information overload. Yeah. And in the same time, not enough information. So it's frustrating that it's not enough information. And then so much chaos on information. Yeah. High stress environment. And a lot of things she uh, discovered in her investigation are probably useless. So, yeah. True. Yep. And she's got a concussion. I thought it was um, interesting, too, just how, like, she's not really questioning Andy completely turning around on his stance with Bill. Like, in the first episode, he's Bill overdosed, Bill overdosed. And obviously, he was saying that so that everybody would not think that it was a murder. But now he's acting like he knew it was a murder the whole time. Yeah. Because he says something like, oh, Eva told me the next morning or something that the morphine had been stolen. So, I mean, I guess he could have thought that Bill stole it and overdosed on it. But it seemed like he was already starting to investigate on his own thinking it might be a murder at that point Mm. so he just seems like he's he just he's acting like a different person in this scene than what we've seen before in this episode than what we've seen before but that would also be like a more clever way of like dealing with it if he does think that there's somebody out there to kill him whereas darby's gone around it a completely wrong way like right from right. the start he was like oh yeah so he's pretending okay well, nothing's really happening i'm going to like kind of like investigate on my own without being so obvious about it lay low good point so it does seem like both of them can kind of like help each other but it is weird that they're trusting each other as well because i feel like both of them seem to have different approach but also a reason to mistrust each other i think like both of them seem to believe that the other may have something to do with it and now in this yeah. scene they're like okay well we're done now i've been really honest with you you've been really honest with me we're fine and again they're trusting each other it <laughs> seems really weird really quickly they just change their minds about each other but that's a good point about andy too though because i feel like andy is not very trustful of darby either no they show that later and it's like is that is that an act is yeah, you know, like which one of them is lying, kind of, or neither. <laughs> yes, Kate said, like, are they being really good actors or are they just really good at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so next we know they're on a couch watching a very cool laser scan of the hotel at 12.06 when Bill died. So, yeah, I mean, it's good we get to see this now, so I guess it's good she trusted him. An immersive security experience, Darby calls it. Ooh, the algorithm automatically senses nudity. That's cool. It's the kid I always wondered when my parents told me, like, people are looking down on you from heaven. I was like, what about when I'm showering? 
finally, 30 years later, <laughs> I have an explanation. Heaven obviously has the nudity algorithm built in. Sims as well. It's like the <laughs> I, I immediately thought of Sims when I saw the guy on the on the toilet with his pants down. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Andy shows her him receiving treatment from Eva, life extension therapy, he calls it. And the scan also goes 10 meters beyond the walls. So it shows Darby looking at a uh, dead Bill again. But there's two minutes missing, 11.59 p.m., the exact two minutes they need. So Darby asks for 11.30. Lee, Lumet, Martin, and Marius are all playing poker in the dining room. Darby has the good idea to ask Ray to put the faces of everyone, guests and staff, on the screen in front of them and then erase anyone who was in their room from 11.30 to 12.30 without ever leaving or re-entering, assuming it would take more than two minutes to get out, do the deed, and get back. Ray won't do it for her, so Andy asks, and we have 13 suspects left. Of the staff, it's just Tomas, Marius, Andy, and Eva. All the people we knew were out of their rooms, and all the guests are still sus. Tomas was in the kitchen from 11.15 until he showed up with the tea, though. They rule out Todd and Ziba from hacking well enough to hack the camera footage. David's in the suspect spotlight at the moment. At 12.06, he was in the hallway. He was also in the hall at 12.15, so what was he doing for the 19 minutes? Did you guys think it looked like there was blood on his shirt in that scan? It was really bothering me. Yeah, at first. I think it was just a blip, but yeah, I thought it mm-hmm. was at first too. Yeah, I don't think they would have something so obvious and not mention it, so I'm sure it was just, mm-hmm. yeah. Is there any way that they're relying on this footage from like something that can be accessible by any of the hackers that live there? Like the murder, the murderer could have like accessed it and changed it to make them not look suspicious. Like all of the people that like rule out. Yeah. Do we really know that for sure? Like why they're relying on that so much when we already know and it's established that people are messing with like the technology and hacking mm. into everything. Yeah. I think it's just all they have, so you might as well watch. But yeah, keep that in mind. Well, Andy seems to like trust his own things in a way that's Yeah. Like he's he's so like narcissistic about it that he's gonna trust his own tech kind of. So Yeah. I think that he that might be part of the problem too. <laughs> I think so as well. The person that has obviously done all this has to have known a lot about you know, the hotel and the fact that, you know, it does that automatic backup at yeah. 11.59. Right. Yeah. And missing those two minutes. Yeah. So they've already been messing with it. Yeah. So it does cut down, like, mm. probably the people that would know about that, right? You know? Yeah. But I wonder if any kind of hacker, if they hack into a system, they can just get those information or find those information while they're yeah. hacking like That's when true. is the automatic update happening mm. so mm. anyone that could have hacked into the system could have had this information yeah true i did wonder when um darby wants uh, some specific information and ray doesn't want to give it and andy just repeats the request with his voice i wonder if um same thing can be generated with the software that oliver developed with the voice uh mimicking uh software that he had on his on his phone so i wonder if ray would react to fake andy being played from uh from a phone or any kind of speaker yeah Mm. so give access to everything without actually hacking into the system yeah possibly that is interesting when we were talking about lee when she comes into the room into darby's room a couple episodes ago with zoomer and she asked him to play music and uh somebody was like maybe that's so Andy can see that she was there, but actually, I remember he, he can't hear over music, so I think it was to so that that conversation couldn't be recorded. Oh, right. Anyway, totally random from the past. Yeah, that that is a good point, though. 
when he was saying he uh when Andy was saying he was receiving his medical treatment at the time he he said life extension therapy does that just mean he like he doesn't really have long to live I wonder or yeah it seems like whatever he has is terminal and yeah they're able to maybe give him like extra months or whatever right yeah. and this again like that helps like the audition kind of feeling of everything you know when people are about to die or like succession like you know, he was constantly like oh. trying to audition mm-hmm. who was going to be good enough to take over when he died. And I don't know. The fact that he is dying kind of adds to that like feel mm. for this for me. I don't That's know. That's an inter- interesting layer. Yeah. Somebody was just telling me about something similar, though, that I think they called life extension therapy. That was like it wasn't a person that was sick. It, it's like a real thing that, that somebody was like using their billions of dollars to. Oh, like the Holy Grail. Yeah. Like trying to live forever kind of thing. Oh. Oh yeah, that's that sounds like something he'd do. Did they did they actually say he was sick? Like was that a word that he said? He just responded like um with the hypothetical if that were yeah. to get out, yeah. the world would crash. Violet, that is a good uh good point because I I kind of thought that as well like, you know, to extend your life like for as long as possible, but like not that he's dying also that you know, he could live till like he was like 200, 200 years old or something yeah. weird. Mm-hmm. If you look it up, if you look up life extension therapy definition, it's both. It's life extension is the concept of extending the human lifespan either modestly through improvements in medicine or dramatically by increasing the maximum lifespan beyond its generally settled lim- limit of 125 years. Mm-hmm. So actually it's more to the just trying to live for everything because he's rich. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Ah, interesting. Maybe he wants to see what happens to the world because you know how he was saying that wasn't Sean saying that Andy thought it was going to happen much sooner, like 2050? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's where all the money he's, like, losing from his company is going towards, right? To create these, like... Yeah, sounds like it, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really interesting. So it sounds like it's likely that that is what they meant. He just wants to live forever. Huh. Did um Does anybody else think of Jurassic Park whenever there's, like, a system shutdown? Yeah, because there's like the electric fence like that shuts down for like two minutes or something and they're trying to climb over it every time (laughs) somebody's like oh is the system reset i'm like it's jurassic park that freaking scene i'm like hurry up you dumb kid i know i can still see the kid being shocked and (laughs) yeah going flying over the fence um when andy says sorry i should have protected you from that to darby when it like goes to the scene of her outside looking at bill it seemed like, it, I guess he was trying to say, I should have warned you that this was coming, that this part, you were going to see this part. Right. But it seemed intentional to me that he was like, yeah. he wanted to watch her react to it. For yeah. sure. He zooms on it really specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't feel any sorrow in that sorry. No. No. So you can fast forward or something. <laughs> no, it was like, oh, let's, let's dwell on it for a bit. <laughs> exactly. Slow mo. I did also compare that scene. I went back to watch the death scene just to see if there's anything like glaringly different between the two versions, and I, I couldn't see anything. The data seems to be accurate. Yeah. All right. So they invite David in at this point. David comes in all overconfident, like he's just been waiting for this call, and he's Andy's right hand man. And then he's real deflated when he realizes Andy's called him in here to be questioned by Darby. He calls Darby a non player character. Cold. They should be calling K2 or BlackRock trying to save their asses. God, this dude is such a douchebag. I severely dislike David and his apparent lover, Oliver. Not fans. David suck. Yes, they're the worst. He also said when he entered, what did he say? He says they're they in the middle of something about Bukake. Bukake. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But it felt really like I'm playing this discussing tech guy, but I'm actually covering up something yeah. that's happening behind the scenes. I don't know. That was my read on that. Sounds like it. Yeah. Darby, in her quiet, non-confident Darby way, asks him what he was doing in the hall when everything was going down. He won't tell her whose room he was in until Andy pushes him. Oliver. He was going to Oliver's room after midnight. Andy's worried he's trying to poach his talent, so it's pretty funny when Darby points out there are other things that people do together <laughs> after midnight besides corporate espionage. Uh, and David's not talking anymore without his lawyer, whose name is Mark, in case you were wondering. No, he seems like a very like disposable character. Yeah, true. But I'm maybe thinking that he may be hiding more and then we may find more about him. Yeah. You're saying that about um, Andy, that we've not really seen much of it, Helen earlier i feel like the same about oliver and david and a lot of the other characters we've really not met them yet and obviously there's main sus- suspects yeah so i don't know if we will in the next couple of episodes yeah well i think it seems david might have a bit more of a role to play with the whole bill conversation later on but yeah good point he's the last one to talk to bill allegedly he's Alleged- the last one to, to speak to him yes you're right it takes two to tango, though. So the next words we hear are, yeah, David and I fucked. Your mouth dropping because you don't think disabled guys can fuck? Quite challengingly. And then he details, first time they fucked was in David's room around 1130. And then David got a call, told Oliver to leave. A half hour later, he comes to Oliver's room, flustered, but he wants to go again. He oddly talked a lot about Lumei, thought that she was a Chinese spy, but Oliver was alone at midnight. And then Darby has a big Sherlock Holmesy moment. I like this one. The tread on the bottom of Oliver's shoes are very worn down. He can walk. Hallelujah. He's not paralyzed after all. He claims it's not for far or long, but the damage is done. Plus, that wouldn't wear down your tread, right? You wouldn't have thought so. Yeah. Anyway, this is my favorite Darby discovery to date. I um. So are we assuming that the call that David got when he said that they fucked and then he left and got a call, is that what we're assuming when he spoke to Bill? Yeah, I think that's the bill call right. in question. I think we're at least made to believe that that's the case, yeah. Maybe it's a love triangle. As simple as that. It's a love square or like octagon. <laughs> octagon, yeah. Can we not produce more love triangles and squares on TV, <laughs> please? Yeah, no. <laughs> Lume is up next and she packed a special bottle just to have with Andy when he finally told her why he invited her here. She was playing poker that night with Lee and the others. She played with the filmmaker, too, from 11 to 1 a.m. I'm surprised that upstairs they didn't hear any commotion, especially when Darby came running for the astronaut and pounding on her door. She did (laughs) say that Lee left the poker room once. Yeah. You catch Andy's look at uh, Darby when she said that Lee had left. Yeah. But again, as we've commented before, it always seems like all of the information that we're given to, like, not trust somebody or feel like somebody is the main suspect is like really obvious yeah yeah exactly that's what's always so sus about all this how it's handed over then you're like wait no it's too obvious but then it actually <laughs> you talk yourself out of it yeah i can't how many days has it been is it like three days yeah we should probably account for that i mean he died one night what happened the next night she went to follow mm-hmm. oh was it the same night no it was an, a different night when rohan died third night i guess they went on an adventure wait was sean fourth night yeah yeah so four nights so far um does anyone remember the map of the hotel is oliver's room next to bill's room or is it uh, farther away in the hall 
Did she write them down on her arm in the correct order? She did. Like going around? Yeah. yeah. I always feel like there's something else to that arm writing that I'm missing too. Must have been pretty permanent because it's not coming off or she just no. doesn't want to shower. Well, she's still wearing like a bloody shirt. <laughs> yeah. Very true. Downstairs, room nine is Oliver. Room 10 next to Bill is Martin. And room 11 is Bill. Okay, so it's actually Oliver, Martin, Bill downstairs. So Martin is in between, but it's still not a long hike. Right. Just two doors down. Okay, that makes sense first for David to be there. But also it makes it possible for Oliver to walk over to Bill's room because it's not far. Very good point. And then David is upstairs. Lume is closest to the stairs. David's next to her. Yeah. Then Rohan and then Sean. So they were upstairs. Yeah. Right. I also do think about the three teacups that were ordered to Bill's room. So I think it was David who was supposed to be there and the third person who probably wasn't Oliver. Or maybe Oliver is lying, but if he's uh, telling the truth and David left his room, someone else was also invited to Bill's. And in my like I would put my uh, my bet on Lee. Yeah, agreed. That makes sense. All right. Lume drops her innocent act when Darby points out that she builds smart cities. She must know her way around a computer. She admits her guilt, but only at hacking through the bywall to reach her security team to arrange to evacuate her from this place. I also got the impression she drinks a bit as she's drinking like quickly here and she drank a lot the night Bill was discovered, she said. Don't think it's relevant, but just an impression I picked up. And now for the pitch, which is bold. Lume can prevent this kind of thing from happening to Andy ever again. Her cities now have the technology to scan for patterns in mental health records, criminal health records, cell phone data that track patterns that anticipate criminal activity. Cell phones is the only part that's new there, I think. Could have been useful here, she says, don't you think? Which just makes her seem like a suspect. I don't know why she did that. It just felt like she was making him feel a bit silly and like not as powerful as he thinks he is. Yeah, definitely. Knock him down a notch. Uh, yeah, being like... Look, if I was in charge, that wouldn't have happened because I would have used my technology to avoid inviting people that are planning on killing me. I mean, it seems like she's out of job interview trying to talk about her strengths that she can bring to the to the job. Which which would jibe with Kate saying before that it all feels like a kind of uh, audition. Yeah. The whole retreat feels like a auditioning for some kind of job. And Lume here would totally jibe with that vibe feeling whatever you were suggesting here right she's also creating minority report i was trying to remember that the name of minority report i could it was driving me nuts just now like how can i not <laughs> think of the name of this movie so thank you you said it right as i was trying okay so after lume leaves darby wants to talk to lee about leaving the table during the poker game but andy dismisses that she'd have told him if it were relevant so Andy asks Ray about the phone call that made David kick Oliver out of his room. There were two calls on February 3rd. The front desk called at 9.15. The call was unanswered. At 11.07, there was an incoming call to David from Bill. It lasted 27 seconds. And Andy claims they don't record calls unless something dangerous is said. That's interesting tech, too. How do you, how does that work exactly? But anyway, Marius interrupts them. Despite Andy trying to get rid of him, the news is that bad. It's the Wall Street Journal, and they know that they're all trapped in there and that Rohan is dead. I love Clive's yelling fit here. The amount of spit that you can see flying on screen mm-hmm. is very impressive. You should watch the Nick. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah? <laughs> He's great. I love him. <laughs> yeah. The Clive thing? The Clive spitting thing. The Nick is full of it. Beautiful. The only time I've ever seen more spit was in uh, when I went to see Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. And Ben Pratt. Uh, we were sitting in like one of those cool box seats, which I've never sat in before. And it's really cool. Like where Lincoln got murdered. But anyway, like really up close, you 
the amount of spit coming out of this guy's mouth for like two and a half hours was wild. Like, I feel like the stage was like soaking wet by the end. Oh, <laughs> lovely. Amazing. Yeah. But he does go to take the call on a humorously giant phone. It's like a sat phone, right? Still entertains me how large it was. Maybe because they're many, many meters below the earth. Oh, yeah. Below ground. Yeah. Good call. Darby takes the opportunity to snoop a little, of course. On the stairs are pictures of Andy and Zoomer, one with Lee. So she carries on upstairs. Zoomer's room is cute. Did anybody else notice it sounds like a cat purring in that room? No, I didn't. No? Oh my god, I couldn't like not hear it after I noticed. It was a lot of cat purring to me. Oh. But yeah, I love the sets on this episode. Props to Alex D. Gelando, Jillian McIntosh, and Lydia Marks for these sets. They're beautiful. I love them. I really want to know what that spinny light thing in the middle of the kids' room was. I have to ask somebody. Yeah. I'm trying to Google it. I don't really know. Is it like a projector? I don't know. It's huge. It looks very expensive is all I can tell you. I wonder if um they purchased that somewhere or like they got the team to make that. I'd be interested in knowing. Yeah. I feel like it's something that you find in like a random antique shop and you're like, oh mm. shit, I got I to gotta work that into one of these sets. Yeah. Like the uterus lamp. Yes. Oh, it's so trope. Oh, you found it? How do you spell it? I don't know if it's what it is. It's Z-O-E-T-R-O-P-E. It's like a film that spins. It looks a lot like that, yep. It does, but like way huger. But I'm sure they come in lots of sizes. Yeah, humongous. And isn't it like a like a lamp that has like a moving strip around it? Yeah. yeah. That creates the shadows? Yeah. Okay. I think I've seen it somewhere. I think it is a zoetrope. A 19th century animation device that shaped the future of cinema. There you go. You probably got it from like Walt Disney. That's a cool thing to include though because of his Walt Disney story. That's very interesting connection. Yeah. Yeah. It's so much cooler that you guys all say Z instead of Z, I just want to say. <laughs> Takes me a minute to figure out what the hell you're saying. But then I'm like, oh, Z. <laughs> when I test kids' eyes, they yeah. read the letters and they see everybody says C because they watch so many like Peppa Pigs and like all of these like American TV shows oh really the English parents get so annoyed with their kids like it's not C it's it <laughs> funny really funny yeah that was really funny yeah it's like tennis shoes in this house said yeah okay Darby goes ahead and interrogates Lee in Andy's absence. She says, Lee says that she left the poker table a little after 11 to check on Zoomer and took the elevator to the medical bay. Nobody was out. She asks where Andy is. It seems like maybe because she doesn't like being questioned was my impression with that. But Darby continues, apologizes for confronting Andy about Zoomer being Bill's son. Lee actually laughs in amusement at how ridiculous what Darby's saying is at first. Ultimately, she's shocked. Apparently, they've never had this conversation. Andy told Darby that he's sterile, but he did not tell Lee. After hearing that, Lee runs into the bathroom to vomit. Darby takes the opportunity to sift through Lee's bag, which has a wig and a fake ID. But in classic Darby style, she lets Lee catch her. And then Lee advances extremely creepily. Luckily, Andy joins them right at that moment. He's mad, but he doesn't look quite as lunatic-like as his wife. And now Andy won't let Darby leave. Lee convinces him to let her go and have some space. In a very threatening manner, he offers Darby to take a moment, and then they'll carry on working together. Todd's here now to continue supervising her imprisonment. So that was some interesting scene. What did you guys think of that? It was very unsettling. It almost felt like a horror movie. Yeah, you're right. did. All of it. Why were they talking about all of that in the room with the kids sleeping was my question. 100%. Right, I saw that. Why are you discussing this poor kid's paternity in front of the kid? Good call. It reminded me of Kate saying that 
kids are like little listening devices. They are. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this kid is probably not sleeping. It's <laughs> probably hearing everything. Yeah. 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 Like for sure. Especially with the way that the scene escalates. I still think Sim has got more to do with it. Yeah. yeah. I agree. Even though it's weird. It's weird. <laughs> and it's probably not going to be him, but right. I still got that feeling. He's so weird. I'm with you. I'm on that hill with you. My weird first thought was that, like, maybe they did IVF or something, and Clive Owen, I mean, Andy, put Bill's sperm in instead of... What, just to mess with her? Yeah. Well, I don't know. It's really strange. Like, why would she just believe that they only, her and Bill only, like, slept together once, and, you know, you can't get pregnant that one time? Or, like, she seemed really shocked. Yeah. But is she pretending? I don't know. She she's a good actress if she is, but uh... look, speaking of Jurassic Park, I feel like there's some like cloning going on here. I feel like that's not really Lee from the original Lee. You reckon? Well, because she says later, like Darby's also trying to reconcile this later from like doesn't seem like her from her manifesto. Yeah, true. And then if you go back to that first scene where you see her in a hotel room, which makes no sense now, cleaning up a vase, looking like an abused spouse. And then, like, a minute later, you see her all dinner-ready and totally different. Uh, it all doesn't add up. So I think that Lee's been cloned. Uh, Zoom's been cloned. Why do you think she doesn't think Bill could be the father then? Do you think she's being, like, serious? As in, like, she's actually really shocked? No. Whatever is happening with her, which I have no fucking idea what it is, really, is all a lie. Like, everything with her seems really fake to me. Right. Yeah. It seems to change her, like, personality a lot as well. She's, like, really, sometimes he cares a lot about Darby and so, like, supportive and, like, really kind to her. Yeah. Oh, this is just, like, really menacing and, like, really, like, like, she's hiding something, which it seems like she is. But I don't know if, like, that's too obvious or, or she's trying to play Darby. I think she's like the shadiest person. Her and Andy both. Oh, definitely. Out of everybody else. I feel like she's probably the most. What do you, what word do you use, Kate? Suspicious. I can't remember. Did I say sus? I say sus a lot. Yeah, I think she's like the most suspicious. Shady. Maybe as a JD. shady. Shady, yeah. Character. Shady character. But like thinking back on episode two, I think it was when she was like in Bill's room looking for something. They still never. I feel like she never explained what she was doing in there. Right, and then she never properly explained why she's not like looking for stuff because she's a mom. It did. What was her excuse though? It wasn't. It wasn't a great excuse. But she, she just said it felt like it wasn't a murder after that breakfast conversation too. Yeah, that's all she said. But she, that didn't really explain her going through his papers and stuff. It was like again, was Dobby looking... wasn't like pushy about it. She was like, okay, there. Yes, yeah, sounds fair. Yes. Yeah. And it was highly convenient that uh, Lee left the bag with the wig and the passport. Right. Exactly. Yeah. On Zoomers, bed, food rest, whatever. Almost open. And Andy's never seen it before, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Yeah, and why was it why was it at, at Zoomer's room? Right in the middle of the room. Yeah. Like, wouldn't she hide it somewhere in the closet? Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. You'd have it hidden somewhere, right? Until that you're about to use it. That was like would be my question. Was she about to use it? Mm. Yeah. And going to the bathroom for like that period of time was not necessary. Like you can pretend to vomit pretty easily. She was clearly giving her time to look through the bag, in my opinion. Yeah. And again, well, we've discussed it like tons of time, but it keeps happening that every clue Darby finds just seems like really obvious and like really well placed for her to find really easily. Yeah. Mm. 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 It's all a ploy. 
But Todd is surprisingly nice to her on her way to her room. After telling her the heat's off because there's a generator down, he then tells her a story about his brother dying when Todd was in high school. Well, he was murdered by other kids for making crowns out of flowers. It was really sad. However, Todd beat every one of them within an inch of their lives. He doesn't understand who's responsible for what's going on, but he understands revenge and he admires loyalty. His is to the Ronsons. And then he gives Darby her ring back. As soon as he's gone, she moves her little table in front of the door. Her eyesight is messed up and she's having serious yeah. vision problems. Is that from the concussion? Yeah, it would probably. It's like a kaleidoscope. I actually really love those shots that they've done where, you know, it's like triple or like yeah. four times of the same image. It actually looks really cool. Yeah. Ray's concerned about her heart rate, but she goes outside in the blizzard and calms herself down. She crushes some pills and snorts them up on a book. I looked the pills up, which is unnecessary because she ends up talking about it later, but they're Adderall. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's what that was. Yeah. I can also tell you her grocery store MVP number, but I don't think it's relevant, so I shall not. Why do you snort that? Is that just goes quicker into your system or what? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. So, yeah. Ray tries to tell Darby some more health information to scare her, but she tells him to shut up and he gets that slang at least. Darby looks at her arm again and calls David, who immediately accuses her of being high. You can tell from her sound, but she ignores that and asks why Bill called him the night he died. David hang up, hangs up on her. Darby's really not doing well. She tries him again, but he's set his room to do not disturb. She asks Ray to turn on the fire, but the gas is in reserve, he tells her. Again, though it's being liberally used down on floor negative 10. Darby's freaking out still, fidgeting a lot, and she writes down the main questions she wants answers to right now. Why did Bill call David? What is the Zodiac boat for? And what is Lee hiding? Ray bravely chimes in again to tell Ray that cerebral edema is serious and she could die, so she rips him out of the wall. I was surprised that, that, that she could even do that to like shut him up. I figured he'd just talk from somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> I was surprised when she put it back together that easily after she like junked it. So. I know, me too. Like, oh, didn't break it. Yeah. <laughs> she goes to the mirror and talks herself down. She's got all the pieces. She's just got to breathe, to think, to put the pieces together. I liked the kind way she was speaking to herself in the mirror. I should do that. She comes out of the bathroom and she hears a thump and then we hear the wind outside and Tomas is knocking at the door. He's here to offer her food, but she's only interested in the prepackaged assortment. I don't know if I trust that either, but she's got to eat. After he leaves, she's attacked from behind and her face is pushed into the ground while a phone with a robotic voice is held to her ear. There is no end to this labyrinth. If you reach the center, you will not get Bill back. Don't force my hand. And that actually made me think she might get Bill back if she reaches the center. Why did they word it that way? Yeah, exactly. But why did she leave her exterior door open? That is insanity. I don't think she's thinking very clearly. Yeah, I, I think that that's the point. I think they're trying to make it like really an unreliable narrator or point of view now. Right. With like the backflash of like her taking the drugs when she's with Bill as well. Yeah. While unconscious, she dreams of her road trip with Bill, as she's wont to do. I love driving down the road scenes for some reason. I really like it. And I like how she's leaning her head out the window. Out of nowhere, Bill asks her how she felt for him, and she refuses to humor him, but he'll tell her. The first time was when she told him the dead talked to her, so like five seconds after they virtually met, but because he feels that way too. The second time was when she entered Ray's bar, and he just knew he was going to know her until the day that he died. Sweet and accurate. And the third, he says, hasn't happened yet, but it's close. Darby gets excited by a clue coming through from a fellow crime hunter on her phone, and even though Bill agrees she should put it on Reddit, he stomps off into the desert. When she follows him, he's reminiscing about people smoking back in the 40s outside movie theaters. And it makes sense. To Bill, phones are the ruin of main mankind. And it's already happened. You live in your isolated little worlds, hunched over your phones. It is interesting. But look, that's how we all met too. Specifically Reddit. 
and you guys have added a lot to my life so <laughs> technology versus not these desert shots look really good the desert sunset shots i know oh, aren't they beautiful yeah 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 the cinematography in this show absolutely gorgeous like, and it's great marlene um charlotte bruce christensen yeah she's amazing yeah i'm glad you mentioned her because like this episode especially i noticed so many beautiful shots I really like the way when she they're sitting on the branch and she's finally telling him when she fell in love with him. And then you can see like the two faces kind of merging. Yeah. Like the profiles yeah. into like the sunset looks really beautiful. And it's mm. such a good like microcosm of them that mm. she fell in love with him on her phone, you know, like she's very into the phone. He is very not. So. I think we discussed that on the last episode as well when they're like, she's starting to like, be more like him and wear his clothes and like almost like her personality has changed as well like uh -huh. she's almost like becoming him yeah she's definitely more for him and she was she was more girly before she met him dressing more girly yeah also it's probably embarrassing to admit but in episode five that was the first time that i clocked on the fact that bill the actor who plays bill uh harris dickinson also played and um the triangle of sadness yeah, where he played a completely different character. <laughs> yeah, and it's maybe probably kudos to him for doing that. Why it took me so long to recognize that this is the same person, really. Yeah, high compliment. I had the same thought. Yeah, he looks familiar, but I don't know from where, and I haven't watched that. Yeah, he's great as Bill. I'll have to watch the Triangle of yeah. Sadness. Oh, he's in the Weather Crow Dot scene. Yeah, he's Chase. Oh. I don't know if anybody's read the book. But... I read oh, the book, and I don't think I've seen the movie, but I would like to see it now that you say that. Speaking of the setting, it's a funny transition from the desert at sunset to Darby waking up on the floor in her room as the snow blows in from her open door. She gets up and storms to Sean's room past Eva, who doesn't want to let her in. Eva's bundled up in her coat. Darby has to put a blanket around herself. I thought it was messed up they wouldn't spare heat for Sean's room, but then I saw, like, she has this sheen of sweat so maybe she'd prefer not to have it on anyway darby tries to apologize but sean won't let her guilt is easy easier than accepting the truth that you've never had any control that we're powerless to ice to wind i think technology was the problem though after her shitty driving sean even names them the soon-to-be-dead trio including herself you are not to blame for bill for me for rohan Sean asks Eva for a moment alone with Darby, and Eva generously offers her three. So Darby catches Sean up immediately on the attack, and then she tells Sean about Zoomer's paternity, which Sean at least feigns ignorance about, and then waxes a little poetic about Lee. She's clearly not a Lee fan. She used to think Lee loved money, that that's why she stuck around, but she sounds like she doesn't know anymore. She also says that Andy's obsessed with Zoomer and, you know, implies the family man thing again. And then what did Sean say to Darby before she smiles? What a way to come. What a long way to come. I heard that too. What a long way. It seemed like almost like a life reflection, but it was in the middle of yeah, maybe. talk of all this. I don't know. And then Sean asks for water. But before Darby goes to get it, Sean tells her to find the people she can trust. She can't go it alone. Darby's talking to Sean about not being able to reconcile the Lees, the Lee from the manifesto that she idolized, you know, in the earlier flashbacks to this Lee. But we discussed that a bit earlier. Darby's still talking to Sean when Sean flatlines, and once again, instead of rushing to the body, Darby kind of freezes in the bathroom. Luckily, Eva's back, and then Todd's there, and then Sean's officially gone. Darby's visibly traumatized as fuck, understandably. Um, what Sean said, that uh, Zoomer's making thousands of dollars every minute, I think Sean says. Yeah. Yeah, and his trust fund. Early interest. Yeah, he's probably got a shitload of cash in there that's just building up. 
I immediately went to Zoomer being some kind of working. <laughs> oh, working, yeah. Yeah, working with, with his little watch, with his no notifications and stuff <laughs> like that. I was like, maybe he's some kind of genius. <laughs> Get him a little briefcase. He's a kid genius. I do think there might be some experiment with him, so maybe... No, everything's questionable in this show. I mean, I have so many weird ideas that... You know? Yeah, yeah. Here I am thinking there's cloning going on in the silos somewhere. <laughs> Plus, they took their DNA. Maybe um, Andy's trying to like transfer his like mind on Zoomer onto Zoomer. Yeah, yeah. He's, that's what he's working on. Whoa, yeah. Darby's out in the hall when Andy comes out of Sean's room and stares her down for a bit before blaming it on Darby. Everywhere she goes, death follows. Darby tells him about Lee's passport and implies she's behind it all, and Andy doesn't take that well. He blames it on Darby's brain injury and reminds her how much she wanted to be interviewed by the police. Now she's going to get her wish. He's so defensive of Lee. Um, yeah. You know, everything she does is obviously, like, perfection. Uh-huh. It's us. Maybe it's because she gave him a child? I don't know. Like, I mean, obviously you protect your partner, right? And that's part of it, but he never, like, it feels like he doesn't. He doesn't really question her unless he's like behind the scenes. Your refusal to question her is yeah, yeah, not logical. But it's also reminiscent of the way he was about refusing to say anything about Bill being murdered. It's like he could be in the back of his mind collecting these thoughts and thinking something yeah. and yeah. making a plan to you know do something to Lee based on this information right. and just acting like he doesn't believe it. Yeah. yeah, there were definitely a few weird looks that he gave this episode. So, um, I just thought that quote from Andy was quite interesting because it's true. Like every time anybody's died, she's with them. Yeah, and also I feel like, as I said earlier, that in this episode specifically, we kind of shown how unreliable she is and how like she's using all of these drugs and how obsessive she gets. Yeah, over like these murders or any specific subject. So I'm wondering if there might be some like twist at the end when she's why are we getting for her because we almost getting all of the information from the show from her so i'm wondering if there might be some twist at the end where what we're seeing is not what we're seeing hmm. she would be the least expected killer right right maybe it's her that's what i'm saying mm -hmm. maybe it's her and she doesn't know it maybe that's why she is there mm -hmm. maybe she's been used mm -hmm. she doesn't even know it yet <laughs> 100%. She does strike me as the kind of person that probably sleepwalks and does weird shit in her sleep. Yeah. Uh, although for me, the drug use wasn't as um, obvious. I think it was um, underlined much more in the fifth episode than before, because before we see her with, with joint, like yeah. occasionally, yeah. and mm -hmm. here with the snorting and David specifically saying, are you high? Yeah. It escalates quickly. It escalates quickly. Thank you. And I think we it's the next scene when she's like doing the same thing when she's with Bill in the investigation of the original murder. Yeah. yeah, and it was alcohol. Like we did see alcohol yeah. before, but like you said, like now it's snorting Adderall. So that's like a pretty big jump from. Yeah, but it's also like she's reached the point in the case in both situations where she's spiraling. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing those two points at the same time through the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Darby sees a fire outside as she's walking down the hall and sees the other retreat guests out there. She walks out with some intense music in the background and still wearing the blanket from Sean's bed as she announces Sean's death to the other remaining female guests. 
Lumet starts talking about Jean, about how she came back from the moon, believing in something, saying there, just like there are no atheists in a foxhole, there are no atheists on the moon either, and how she wouldn't even kill a spider after she came back. After seeing that darkness and the eternal night, how precious every little life was. Ziva eyes Martin, peeking out at everyone, and suggests four would be a real tipping point for revolt. He joins them, asks if it's true about Sean, and then shares his whiskey with Darby. She seems to make a decision that these are the people Sean told her to find that she can trust. She tells him about Andy's lair and that she and Lume were down there today. She doesn't think this is a hotel at all, and they all laugh about it being an audition for his end of the world bunker. Half joke. Marius comes out to advise them all to come inside. Ziba flips him off, much to the horror of Marius and the enjoyment of everybody else. <laughs> and then she jokes about losing her scholarship for that. I like her. She's funny. I, I do too. I'd like to see more of more Ziba, please. Agreed. More Ziba. Oh, then she gets real. Her people are nomads, but even with nomads, if someone passes, they stop and they mourn and they feel the sadness for days. And right then the northern lights start. How cool. Definitely on my bucket list. Beautiful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I want to see them so badly. So the Northern Lights embolden Ziba further that she's on the right track and they should call out the names of the dead such that they can fly free and find peace. She starts with Rohan Ravjit, a revolutionary. Lume names Sean next, an explorer. And when they look to Darby to name Bill, she won't do it, saying it will make it too real. If she says his name, he won't come back. See? More more Bill's alive propaganda. Yeah. Uh, I get that he probably isn't, but I still can't quite let go of that nagging thought yeah that line hit me as well and then something else that bill says in the next scene like i'm like i'm almost convinced i'm almost convinced <laughs> yeah yeah all right well let's get to it darby wakes bill up now in the past in a flashback and we see the murder board apparently she did it all herself while he slept darby's so excited she traced the ring back to eunice bell and from there determined that eunice gave the ring to her son edward who gave it to his son who became a policeman and then a serial killer because his wife mysteriously disappears. Bill is far less impressed than Darby is expecting and far more concerned with Darby. And look, I think that Bill's reaction is weird also. He's driven across the country to pick Darby up and go on this hunt for a serial killer, which is really questionable. And now that she's solved it, he's worried about this being an unhealthy pursuit. Yeah, I thought that was weird as well. I saw it because he's like, we, again, we think he's been sober for a while, so I think he was a bit weirded out by the drug yeah. And Yeah, definitely. But that's the way I saw it. And that's reasonable, but I still think you would, like, finish seeing through this crime you just solved and then, you know. Yeah, especially them. since you've literally just solved it. Yeah, it's so weird to me that he's like, no, let's quit now. But I do, I definitely get the, like, alarm at all the drug use. Clearly she's not healthy in this way and it is an actual concern. But also, like, you can just maybe go to, like, the police and be like, okay, we think this is the guy. Uh-huh. Like, yeah. For them to deal with it rather than be like, oh, let's go and visit. Jackhammer the basement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that is a very, very valid point. That's no fun. Come on. It's no. so true. <laughs> <laughs> and she's clearly very impulsive. And we've discussed this before as well. Like, I don't think she's self-perseverance is very high. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Her survival instincts are not. That's yeah. it, yeah. I think it was interesting because I don't know if from the beginning we kind of like got that scene where Bill goes and leaves her in the in the motel or hotel, and then you kind of like it seems like it's getting to that place. Yeah. And I'm wondering yeah. when she's in the book reading and she's telling the ending of the story. Right? She says that they go to the guy's place and we don't know how it ends. But I'm wondering if that's actually not true. If that didn't happen, and she just put it in the book. Mm, interesting. Because it seems like he probably leaves before they actually get to that part. Interesting. Although his bath was bloody when he was sitting in there, right? 
Yeah. I don't know that. That's a good question. Yeah, I, I mean, we must be seeing the rest of that scene soon if it happened. I feel like when you think about people actually doing what Bill and Darby are doing, investigating crimes off the grid, sort of, or off, you know, outside of the police, I feel like there's a certain point where it becomes like really, really real and Darby pushes past that. And I think for Bill, it's probably a little more like, okay, this is like getting really dangerous and really bad now. And Mm -hmm. even though you like think I'm going to follow this through, there's probably like a part of you that doesn't really think you'll ever get to that point. Yeah. And it's like, it's all fun and interesting at first. And then it starts to get really dangerous. And I, I think maybe Darby is hoping to get to that point and bill is like kind of hoping not to get to that point yeah more like an idea that is fun to pursue but when you're actually there it's actually very mm. dangerous it's actually a bit, a bit yeah. crazy yeah because i'm like oh I, I that sounds kind of fun up until like it starts to get <laughs> dangerous and then i'm out yeah probably for bill the hunt would be over as, as soon as they have a name yeah. Not where Darby's going, like to the actual house and mm-hmm. digging up an actual corpse. So, yeah, exactly. I do also agree now, like the the statement Bill made to her that night that I'm not sure that what you see in yourself as bravery is bravery. Like now I, I agree. I get what he's saying. You know, it's more like recklessness and I don't know what else combined with that. But yeah, I get it. I definitely get his alarm. I just still think you would see it through. But going to the police is absolutely the correct answer and what he should be suggesting at this point i don't think police would give a fuck though well that's true yeah i mean they've proven that right they will laugh them off and this is what probably darby is expecting to happen once they go to the police because she's seen it with her own eyes how little Uh police cared for the cases of the women that she was you know witness to with with her dad right and he's a police officer so yeah but you're right though alan good point um, going back really quick to the bonfire scene when Oliver comes out and they've been talking about the purpose of the hotel as kind of like a millionaire's timeshare post-apocalyptic situation and he comes out, they've already discussed that part of it and he are, he seems like he knows exactly what they're talking about as soon as he arrives. It was kind of strange to me. I don't know if anybody else thought that was weird, but it just it seemed like he knew too much about the conversation they had had prior to him arriving. Oh, yeah, that's interesting. I didn't notice it, but that makes sense now that you're saying it. Anyway, Darby's really upset with Bill's reaction. Bill points out how she can't save the victims. They're already dead, but he could prevent future victims. Bill points out to Darby that after 48 hours awake, the brain function starts to fail, which Darby runs with, implying he's threatening to commit her and then a lobotomy. She's not doing herself any favors with this line of response, but uh, I'm still kind of on Darby's side about finishing it up. And now we've caught up with the beginning of the show when we first met them on this road trip, it seems. She wants to go to the house, and he does not. And it's, it's actually kind of funny, because I did say she was insane for jackhammering the basement, but now that I've seen the trail to get there, I get it a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. Finish the job. Yeah. She's doing herself even less favors when she sets the room on fire with her cigarette. And at that point, she does accept Bill's arms to calm her. You can see that she does kind of understand that she's getting out of hand. Yeah. So this moment was my big, like, I don't know, maybe I'm overthinking it. But when Bill and Darby hug, he says, I feel like I'd have to die for you to love me. And that line, like, I don't know, just really stuck it really stuck (laughs) it really stuck (laughs) it really stuck with me because 
I'm I'm feeling weird about Bill after that line. This is all an elaborate ploy to get her to love him. Yeah, it could be like a fake yeah. his death. But yeah, it's yeah. a good point. <laughs> yeah, because obviously we don't we don't know what's happened after, you know, if that scene at the beginning is a real in fact scene after they go. We don't know what happens. He obviously just leaves and then all of a sudden he he lands at Lee's door with like sunburnt feet or whatever. <laughs> Or whatever happened, something's not adding up to me. Other than it would make sense, yeah. Even like when they were driving through the desert, and he's trying to get her to like tell him why she loves him, and she's not really doing it. Yeah, he's quite toxic mm-hmm. about it. He gets like really angry, and like the way mm-hmm. he acts is really quite unhealthy. So maybe, maybe he feels he's not getting from her what he wants from her, and this yeah. is the way of yeah getting it. Yeah, the scene at the hotel uh, that you mentioned with uh, uh, I'll need to die before you love me. It, uh, to me, it felt a little bit like a hurt male ego. Yeah. He is sacrificing sacrificing so much for her and they're on this hand and doing so much together. And she pays all her att- attention to the case and the, the women and not to him, which makes him a little bit problematic. <laughs> on the other hand, I do understand. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, just because, like, obviously it is annoying when, like, you're trying to talk to someone and they're just, like, kind of ignoring you or whatever. Mm. But Obsessed with yeah. something else. Right. It is something. It's not like she's just, like, on TikTok, like, watching videos or something. Right? You know? Yeah, it's, like, it's important. Like, he, yeah, exactly. he sees it's important, but for him being there, it's more important that she is with him. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's more important than the women that have died, which are for Darby he is not more important than the women that have died and nobody cares about them. Yeah. And now that he's dead. Considering that was the reason that they even met too, it seems like he would be more focused on it, but he's like losing his interest in it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know if I remember this correctly, but in the car when she's looking at her phone and he's trying to be like really like sentimental and stuff, he says, I think he says, oh, you never take a break or something like that. As in, like, yeah, I don't think he really wants her to, like, stop the whole case, but he wants that that moment to be just the two of them. Mm. Which I kind of guess, again, I do think it's a yeah. bit, a bit yeah. unhealthy that he reacts the way he does. But I do get that in that moment, he just wanted them to be all yeah. lovely love. Mm-hmm. I think, Violet, you said that it's interesting that when Bill says, yeah, you'll have to, uh, I'll have to die before you care about me, and then you suggest that, that's what's happening right now, that he's not actually dead. Mm-hmm. It's also interesting that when uh, Bill and Darby are in the car and he tells her the moments that he fell in love with her, he says the third one hasn't happened yet. Feels kind of... It hasn't happened yet because she's going to be so impressed with this whole setup that he's done for her to like, <laughs> figure this out. Romantic. Like, very romantic. So romantic. Yeah. I don't think he's doing this for love or anything. He's going to propose think, but... at the end. Like, <laughs> there'll be a break. <laughs> From everybody. All of the dead are going to wake and be like... He's in a room with like rose petals and candles everywhere when she finds <laughs> the middle of the lab. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine like where like we're like thinking about and then he's just like a really nice guy at the end. And when it's like, oh, sorry, Bill. Or he's just actually dead. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, he's literally just dead and this is all. <laughs> but maybe yeah. he knows that he's going to die. The only thing I have um, to maybe still trust him is when, you know, the whole Rohan thing where he's like one down, still a go. You know what I mean? There's obviously some kind mm. of plan. So that's one yeah. thing I'm kind of holding. Maybe something's gone maybe. wrong. 
That's, that's this is something that we never got a, any kind of resolution to because they traveled through the highlands yeah. of, of Iceland and found that inflammable that the, the Rolex boat. No, how do you call it? The Zodiac boat? The Zodiac boat. Thank you. Not the Rolex boat. And it's a threat that does, doesn't have a resolution. Yeah. So we don't know what that was with the, with the light. Feels shocking that they're gonna uh, wrap this in two episodes. You know, like a lot of thinking that loose ends. Mm. I look forward to watching the next episode after this. Back in real time, she runs away from a different fire, the campfire with her fellow retreat captives. Inside her room, she puts Ray back into the wall and tells him she needs help. She doesn't like being awake anymore. She's all around miserable. He plays therapist for her a bit and tells her it's cool. People have been using AI for therapists for some time now. And then the light starts blinking in Morse code. 2200 pool, it says. So Darby being Darby, she goes down there alone. She even gets in the pool. They are hot springs, so it certainly looks enticing, but come on now. This is insane with a murderer, a murdering, and you've even been instructed to come here. Absolute insanity. And not only does she get in the water, but she decides to zone out under the water. She's sifting through memories of Bill, probably realizing something important that escaped me. When she realizes the pool cover is closing, she swims towards the opening, but it's too late. She's fully submerged and trapped under the pool cover when the episode ends. She can make out the shape of a body. Seems like a man wearing a suit, maybe, to me. What did you guys think of that? I tried to look, but I couldn't really tell. Yeah, Yeah, so did I. I wouldn't even Yeah, I think I saw maybe a white shirt, white upper part, and darker under part. I still think it's Suma. And with Oliver now uh, not paralyzed, Mm. doesn't even rule him out. Yeah. I don't know. I cannot, like, there isn't a chance in hell I would have been caught under that cover. Like, getting in the pool when you've been instructed to go there and you know that... Whatever. No. This so, scene yeah. was terrifying. Like, I, I had to skip mm-hmm. it. Like, yeah. I had to look away because I was Seriously. not getting breath. Not the enough people, yeah. Like, moving, yeah. yeah. You were sympathy drowning? Yes, I was. <laughs> 100%. I'm so sorry for Emma Corrin that they had to do it. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I thought about that, too. They're great in the whole series, but they uh, particularly... I thought they were very good in this episode. Mm. yeah i was worried about her fingers getting cold not so much about her drawing drowning but i was like what mm-hmm. how is he gonna stop that like they're just gonna like trap the fingers and cut them off yeah like, yeah, really yeah. all the all this all the scenarios were going through my head as well like fingers getting caught and back. yeah i think drowning is my number one worst way to die scenario so was that a glass cover i'm assuming i haven't seen that fancy stuff was it? I don't think you would use glass. Maybe it was just a tarp that it's very taut. Yeah, a taut tarp. A taut tarp is what I would think. Yeah. Would you be able to get that off though? It's on a spool, sort of, and it yeah, unspools. Yeah, yeah. And if it's like on on rails on the sides, you're not able to, you know, catch it in any way. So it's like yeah. basically like something very solid. I think I would have swum faster too. Not that I would have been in that situation, but it seemed like there's a pretty like solid opening for her. Might not be Michael Phelps, babe. Yeah, I'm sure I'm wrong, but I feel like I would have gotten there. Oh, that was, yeah, an unpleasant scene. And I have no idea what happens next, but presumably she lives. Well, I mean, it would be a very uh, shocking if she didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so whoever, like, pulls it, somebody's going to obviously, like, pull it back, even if it's Ray. I don't know. But then you'll have to question, well, were they the ones that, that started it to begin with? Or did they really just come here and, like, save me or what, you know? Yeah, if it is if it is Bill, it's very cruel. Just <laughs> I love that you're still on this. See, I do think it's fake. I think a lot of this is fake. I don't know how much, but I do think Bill's death. But I don't think he did it. 
Because that's so fucked up. I feel like Andy did it somehow. Yeah. There's um, all that downtime when she's running from outside to inside that I think the bodies are swapped. But I do think that he was like unconscious and that Andy somehow swapped them. I don't yeah. know. I mean, unless unless Bill and Lee concocted this or and Andy, like a lot of them concocted this as kind of like a let's get Darby here. I don't know why. Yeah. yeah. But let's get her here to solve like this fake murder. This seems to be so like extreme to like what is the end game? Like literally kill her? Can you not just kill her in a different way? Oh, or like mean. the first day, yeah. like what are you doing all of this like charade? Are Sean and Rohan dead? Like Sean really seems like she, she seems dead. dead. But I've well, not trusted for day one. I always felt that something was a bit suspicious yeah, about her. Was and it wasn't until the very end that I felt like, oh, maybe she's a nice person. Maybe she's genuine. Yeah, I felt that way too in like the final scene in the bed. I was like, oh, maybe she was nice and now she's going to yeah. die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I spent her whole life hating her. I don't know. I'm, lo- I'm looking forward to seeing what, uh, yeah, I am what happens free. anyway. Me too. Me too. Well, I think that's a wrap on our discussion of episode five. Come back next week for episode six, which we are all eager to watch. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.